0: Okay. Bye. Bye. Happy
1: birthday! It's too Hello everyone. Welcome to Revival Digital on a Sunday. I'm very pleased to have you with us, and I'm very excited to have two of the big guns with us. It's got we've got we've got Tim Peel-Harts, our children's pastor. How are you g'day going, Joel? And Stu, how are you? Yeah, hey, good Joel. It's good to have you along. Now, guys, uh, I don't think we really planned what we we're going to talk about, but let's let's hear it. What are you what are you excited about this week?
2: Uh, it's my birthday today. Oh. Yeah. Happy birthday. Happy
1: birthday to you. Yep. We need a party bobber. Uh,
2: yeah. A little bit later, I'm going to celebrate with Lionel.
1: Oh, that's cool. cool. You've yes. got the party ready. Yeah, we've yeah, got, cool. got it all organised. All right. Uh, can you reveal how old you are or you don't want uh, to Uh,
2: no, I can reveal that. I'm going to be 39 today.
1: Really? Yeah. mm mm-hmm. Very nice. 39 mm. is a good age. Yeah. I've heard. You've heard from all your experience <laughs> of being yeah, 39. Right. Karen, my wife, keeps making fun of me. Like this year, I turned 35. So she's like, You move up into another demographic bracket, you know, when you answer questions. Uh, on yes. things, she's like, You're moving up. I'm yeah. like, Yeah, thanks. You're a few months behind. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> Stu, anything that you're excited I'm about few, this week? A few brackets ahead of you, Joel. Yeah.
3: But, you, um, yeah yep. Yeah, still love and life. Uh, I'm excited about the Paralympics. Yes. Uh, it's, it's a very bleak week, really, in the news with all the troubles in Afghanistan and uh, with the COVID numbers, and it's quite concerning. So that is a little bit of
1: a brightness, mm. that greyness. Yeah, that's cool. Um, Tim, you've listened to any interesting podcasts lately? We've been talking about that on and off since you've been on, on the panel.
2: Uh, yeah, I get a few podcasts listened to. Actually, one that I've been um, kind of an obscure one, but I've been trying to get in, dig into my German heritage a little bit. Uh, And so to try and stay connected with kind of what's going on at the moment in Germany, I found a short 10-minute English news um, podcast, which is uh, about the Berlin – it's called the Berlin Briefing. Um, It's just 10 minutes in English of what's going on in Berlin. And so – completely irrelevant to my everyday life but as i try and dig in a little bit more in my german heritage and find out about what's just going on in modern berlin modern germany it's kind of interesting so
1: how far back do you go on your german heritage like when did uh, the german contingent come here
2: uh so well i'm actually first born australian so my dad was really? born in germany um and so he migrated here with his family um so yeah so my brothers and sisters were first generation on his side that's yeah.
1: cool so sure, <laughs> do you want to give us an insight on your family tree I think it's English, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, uh, my dad's English
3: and my mum's Australian. Yeah, that's pretty cool. She's got Scottish heritage too. She by, does right? have Scottish heritage. She's been digging in like Tim has. It must be a COVID thing to people mm-hmm. getting into things a bit more. But Maybe. my mum's been looking into the family history. So if any of you know Bev Crawshaw and you're interested in the and a yarn, she's got some, a pretty fascinating story. She's been un- uncovering actually. Yeah. Oh, really? That's sweet. We'll
1: have to hit. Um, oh, I've got a, I've got a catch. Hang on. Well, we have to get in touch with Bev to find out what's going on there. Uh, thank you for your family history, guys. We appreciate it. We're going to talk about history this week uh, in, in relation to Hebrews and the Old Testament. So that's pretty cool. But right now we're going to uh, have the prayer.
4: Good morning. Will you join with me in prayer? Father God, how great thou art, maker of heaven and earth. How majestic is your name. I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of your wonders. I will be glad and rejoice in you. Lord God, we ask you to protect the world from COVID-19. We ask humbly that you bring an end to this virus. We know you alone are sovereign and trust in your ways, in your time. Lord, we are all experiencing our own challenges at home. COVID impacts on everyone. We are scattered like seeds. We pray for opportunities to show your love to others, just where we are in our homes. We are separated physically, but we are are as one together in you, as your people, Lord. What a blessing, what comfort, what joy to know you are caring for us and protecting us. What grace and what love, Lord. We praise you for answered prayer for the safe arrival of Maeve cell. Please bless her parents, Jake and Trista, to deal with the new demands a newborn brings. We ask you, Lord, to protect the people in Afghanistan for safe passage for Australians and Afghans who worked with us there. Protect the women and the girls as the Taliban take control. And please protect and grow the band of Christians so you can shine a light in this blighted country. Please be with those of us who are ill, battling physical and mental health issues. Give them the comfort of your love and the peace only you can give. Help us to reach out to them in some caring way. We pray for our pastors and their families. Give them protection and provision as they minister to our church so faithfully. We pray for the preaching of your word today. May it reveal more of you and your son Jesus. May we grow spiritually from the message as revealed by your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your loving sacrifice of your Son, Jesus, for the freedom from our sin that he has taken upon himself, for his resurrection and the promise of ours to come. We are so thankful, Father God, that we can lay all of this at the foot of the cross and have assurance that you will answer our prayer. We ask for all of this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Hey!
0: Hey! Happy birthday! It's your birthday! birthday! It's your birthday!
5: birthday! Yeah! Oh no, that one didn't work.
1: Uh,
0: welcome <laughs> back everyone.
5: You got me in the eye.
1: We're here holding a hey! celebration <laughs> uh, for two very special people that we know. It's... um. We're waiting for, I'm waiting for the, <laughs> it is Lionel's birthday and also Tim's birthday. So,
0: Yeah! happy birthday. Happy
1: birthday. <laughs> Lionel, what presents did you get? Ah, uh, Lego. Oh, really? Is that what your mum, your mum said she was going to bring you some new presents? Yep, lots of Lego. Is that right? Yep. Have you been building or have you been doing your schoolwork? I haven't
5: had time yet. Cause I've been here, not doing schoolwork. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> You've been cleaning this weekend. Yep.
1: Okay, that's good.
5: Hey,
2: I'm um, speaking of cleaning. Had Lionel, to get ready for the party. Lionel, I got you a present. You got me a present? I did, except what? I left it
1: over over there, oh, and Brad's gonna have to Oh go no! In. Bring it over. Bring it over. Have you wrapped it? Yeah, yeah. It's right. Yes, yeah, there right it there. is. There yeah. it is. Here it comes. What is it? What is it? More Lego? Yeah. Yay! Yeah. Yay! Yeah.
5: <laughs> you said you wrapped it. Uh, I did
2: in plastic. Uh, there we go. So I, b- I bought you some um, some new cleaning cloth.
5: Just what I needed. Yeah, Five crime on the weekend. <laughs> hey, beautiful. Um, yeah, I just thought it would um,
2: be a whole lot of fun for you to, to do some cleaning. Yeah. We're, we're still having a whole lot of fun. Joel.
1: Yes. You didn't get me anything. That's not true. You don't know. What? Oh, there might be a delivery waiting at home for you, Lionel. At home, yay! Yep. If I knew your address.
2: <laughs> well, we won't give his address out over the internet. Um, no, no,
1: we won't dox you. No, no that's, not that's, on the this that's the word. Isn't it?
5: Facebook, YouTubey thingy. Yeah, 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 that's right. You, you won't can... get too many uh, presents, and that would be disastrous. That's not bad. I mean, yes.
1: <laughs> now, did you get rid of the old, and so you could bring in the new presents? Yes. Did you?
5: Yeah, some stuff. Right. Maybe I hit it
1: where did you hide it
5: not saying otherwise it's not hiding that oh
1: <laughs> your mum won't be happy uh, i
5: put it with the veggies in the
1: backyard Put <laughs> in the compost yes <laughs> right. uh tim did you get any presents uh i did yes what did you get <laughs> <laughs> i i i got some books
5: Ooh. books um, on yeah. Lego. sorry Books on Lego or on cleaning? Uh,
2: uh, Neither of those, uh, as as far as I know. But I haven't read them all yet, so I've only just opened them.
5: I bet you it's got something about Lego or cleaning. It might do. It might do. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) They're the best books. They're the best books. Yeah, I
2: understand that. Hey, um, speaking of books and the best book, do you know what the best book is, Lionel?
5: Yes. What's the best book? Cleaning. Almost. No, <laughs> that's true. Books uh, about cleaning. Books being about being clean. Cleaning. Oh,
2: ooh, yeah, you're getting closer. You're getting books. closer. <laughs> no, go back to being clean.
5: Um, five ah, yes, <laughs> got there. The Bible, that's right. The Bible is the best book. The
2: best I'm book loving the read fireworks. Is the Bible. The fireworks have been great. Not distracting at all. Um, and so <laughs> yeah! <laughs> or smoky. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't go anywhere. Um, I, I haven't got one. <laughs> but uh, look, the Bible is the best book. The best book we can read. And as we are going to be finding out um, in our sermon today, the Bible actually does have a lot to say about cleaning, not physically cleaning, like we're going to have to clean up the set real soon. Yeah. Um, but about how we can be made clean uh the bible talks about in picture language how we are not clean but therefore we can't be friends with god um does it have instructions does it have instructions to be clean yes,
5: it, yes picture instructions yes
2: it does
1: picture instructions
5: picture, <laughs> picture instructions <laughs> picture <laughs> instructions. look i, I just mean, want the cake <laughs> there's there's a few uh there's a few pictures in
2: this one um But the the big, uh, the instructions that we have, how do we be clean? We put our trust in Jesus. Uh, That's how we are clean on the inside, how we're actually, in picture language, how we're clean enough to be friends with God. It's actually not something that we do, but it's what God has done for us. And that's pretty cool. That's
5: awesome. It is very, very
1: awesome. What Um, do you you reckon, Lionel? Do you think you could be clean?
5: On the inside? Yeah. (laughs) Well... It's good not to do Be Clean just on the inside, just on the weekends, but all the time. Oh, all
1: That's the time. a good way to wrap it up there, I think. Absolutely. Now, before we go, should we sing a happy birthday? And Tim. And Tim, happy <laughs> birthday. Sorry. Oh, that's all right. Are you ready? And you too, Joel. You can join in. Oh, that's right. I'm, yeah, but I'm happy to have a birthday just for you, Lionel.
5: Every day. <laughs> yeah, hey. hey. I think I'm going to be deaf
1: by the end of this. <laughs> end what? Of this. Uh, okay, is you ready to sing happy birthday? Yep. Three, two, one. Happy, Happy, birthday, birthday, to Happy birthday, birthday to you. Happy
5: birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear, Happy birthday dear Tim To Tim, told me, Joel And Brayden. And <laughs> and, <Braden. laughs> and anybody else? Hey. Happy, Happy
2: birthday,
1: birthday to, to
0: you.
1: Yay! Hey. Hey. Brother Candleman. Brother Candleman, Lionel. <laughs> oh, yes, dear. And look. Make, make sure you make sure you have, make sure you have some cake. That's it. Yeah. Yes. Enjoy. <laughs> enjoy that. Uh, it's good to be silly and had a lot of fun, guys. Uh, happy birthday to Tim and Lionel. But we're about to read the Bible now, so you might want to get your Bibles out so we can concentrate. On and, and a donut <laughs>
5: too. Yay! <laughs>
0: Worthy every song we could ever sing And worthy of all the praise we could ever bring So worthy of every breath is no
6: everyone. Uh, We're about to do the most important thing we do here at Soul Revival, and that is read the Bible. Uh, My name is Peter Anderson. For those of you who don't know me, uh, I attend, well, (laughs) when there's no COVID. I attend the uh, Soul Revival Cronulla Gathering. Um, And today we'll be reading from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 to 18. And I'm reading uh, the NIV translation, if that's of any interest to you. So that's Hebrews 10. Verses 1 to 18. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshippers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice an offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God first he said sacrifices and offerings burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire nor were you pleased with them though they were offered in accordance with the law then he said here i am i have come to do your will he sets aside the first to establish the second and by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of jesus christ once for all day after day every priest stands and performs his religious duties Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, and since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect for ever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, this is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary.
1: Thanks very much to Pete for um, doing that Bible reading for us. He's from the Cronulla uh, Gathering, so we thank you very much for doing that for us. I am joined on the panel now by Paul and Tim. and It's great to see you guys again. Um, hello. Paul, <laughs> hello. Paul, you're going to um, bring the word from Hebrews 10 for us, but I yeah. thought I was going to ask Tim a question first. So you've been doing a, a children's newsletter that's coming out every week, so if you're a parent, you're probably getting that. Make sure you read it. Um, has it been difficult to kind of understand or translate what Hebrews has been to, for our kids to, to know what's going on?
2: Yeah, so I've been writing the kids' uh, newsletter every week and part of what uh, the purpose of that is to let parents know what's going on with the kids. Um, and so for during non-COVID times, uh, what are we learning about at Survival Sol- Kids on Saturdays and Sundays, uh, and also what's going on with Fuse for our year five and six kids. And there's other resources. Um, and so one of the things I've been trying to do during this uh, lockdown period is to help families feel equipped to come into <laughs> the weekend with uh, their kids. Um, with the, the topic of Hebrews, now, I don't know about you guys as uh, adults or as kids who are listening on, Hebrews is a tough book, um, and there's lots in there that assumes you have a really good knowledge of the Old Testament.
1: A lot of spiritual meat. Yes, <laughs> a lot of spiritual meat going <laughs> yeah. on
2: in, uh, in Hebrews. And so what I've been trying to do uh, each week is to provide just a little bit of, kind of, I guess, how I would kind of explain this particular week's passage to kids. Um, and so this is what it's about. Here's where we're headed. Um, and here is a passage or something you could read or watch with your kids to kind of get in the right frame of mind. Um, and so this week uh, we've been talking about sacrifice um, and how Jesus is the, the better sacrifice, the best sacrifice. Um, and so I just kind of did a little explanation of how sacrifice is a way of um, saying sorry to God. Uh, and it's a way of saying thank you. And it's also the way that God provided so that people could be forgiven rather than him take his wrath out on them. They had a substitute in the animal um, and how Jesus is the better sacrifice. Um, and then what I've done is this week pointed back to Noah, um, which uh, might seem a little obscure, but what I was thinking about with Noah was, well, there was an example where God uh, did pour out his wrath. Um, sadly, many people did die uh, in the flood. And yet God provides a way out. And after they come out of the ark again, Noah and his family, um, they do offer a sacrifice, a way of saying thank you to God and a way of offering up to God and um, giving the animal is a way of um, saying, yeah, well, this is the, the substitute. Um, it can die instead of us. Um, and then pointing that to Jesus. And so I just thought that was... Um, uh yeah just trying to do that each week with families um and so yeah so if you're a a family or a parent or you just want to receive the newsletter to know what's going on with kids um there's a form on pulse that you, you can sign up for the kids newsletter and become on that reading list um, and if you're not quite sure how to navigate that, feel free to just reach out to me um, by phone or email.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for giving us that information. It's pretty. It's it's great that we, that's something we discussed on the Shock Absorber podcast recently, was the children are the church of today, not mm. just tomorrow, and that's, uh, in a way, that's what we're trying to do. So I really appreciate your efforts in that.
2: Oh, that's all right. And I'm really excited that there are whole families, including kids, who are mm. sitting and watching each week, and, um, again, even though Hebrews is pretty tough, um, we're you know, trying to do a job, good job of mm. helping kids and families understand what's going on. Mm.
1: Well, the sacrificial system is sometimes a little bit hard to describe, I would say, and especially for myself, even reading Hebrews now, it's been uh, a learning, <laughs> a learning journey for me to try and understand it, because that's the that's a main point that what one of the main points you're going to talk about is that, however many sacrifices the Israelites were making, Paul, that it was. Jesus is the ultimate and perfect sacrifice, and and he was the only one that could really, the only one that could atone for, for sins. Yeah, that's right. Yep. That's right. I'm excited to hear what you've got to say, <laughs> got to say for us today. So please take it away for us, and um, we'll have uh, very ready ears for you. No,
7: thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's um, interesting to hear Tim's Tim's points because it, it's it's not an easy walk um going through this part of the scripture um because it's it's dealing with some big issues and a lot of history and probably one of the biggest issues that we're, we're dealing with here is how do we approach uh, a holy God um, and de- we desperately need to be in relationship with, with God uh, but we have a problem in that we, we, are, we are unable to come before him and so that's why we um, start to unpack uh, so much of that Old Testament religion that we've been looking at over the last couple of weeks. Um, because how you present to others really does matter, and particularly as we present ourselves to God. So to illustrate that, I've, I've got a little story here of a friend of mine. Um, I think I'm sure I've shared it before uh, with church, uh, but it's a funny story and uh, it illustrates the, the, the issue. Uh, I had a friend who, uh, once he got to university, he was meeting a lot more people and got invited to his first uh, formal party, formal dinner party and uh, he was from a fairly humble background he hadn't really been to that many really fancy do's and um he was uh, a little bit unsure uh, when he got his invitation and he saw there on the dress requirements that it was black tie and when he saw that he thought oh great um, i've only got one tie and it's black <laughs> so away he went to the party dressed up probably in a nice pair of jeans and collared shirt and his black tie on um only to then arrive at the party to see everybody there resplendent in ball gowns and tuxedos and he just wanted the ground to open up and then to be swallowed by the earth uh, and not be stuck in that party for the whole night um the moral of the story is how you present to others really does matter um it depends i guess a lot with who we're going to meet so at different very levels Um, If it's with family or close friends, we don't need to brush up all that much. We can just remain casual. Uh, We need to step it up a little bit more, though, as we go to school or to work and you have to stand before a teacher or a boss. And then again, if you're going to go to a really special event, like a big formal dinner, um, then you might go even further and dress in formal dress or tuxedo, something like that. Different people, different places, the expectations are different and they demand different behaviours. I guess probably one of the most formal occasions we can think of would be to go and meet the Queen. Um, So in case you get a chance to do that, I did a little bit of research, and here are some absolute important rules that you need to follow when you go to meet the Queen. First one's this. um, You don't touch Her Majesty. Um, You only shake her hand if she offers it first. On presentation to the Queen, um, the correct address is Your Majesty, and then subsequently you can talk to her as Ma'am. Um, You always take the Queen's lead, so that is you don't talk unless you're spoken to, you certainly don't sit down unless she sits down, and you don't start eating until she starts eating. Um, When you talk to the Queen, you can only talk about small talk. There's um, no personal questions allowed. And lastly, uh, but certainly not least, you cannot turn your back upon the Queen. Now we can look at these sorts of things and I must admit as I was looking at them this week I was having a bit of a chuckle about how silly it all seemed because the Queen today is just a little old lady who really has no power over us at all. But there would have been a time when standing before royalty was a deadly serious matter because in the past uh, the King and the Queen did have your life in their hands and so you wanted to make sure that you approached them Correctly and with absolute respect to make sure you didn't cause offence. And so we come to our issue, how do we come before the God of the universe? What sort of etiquette does that require? Does it require your best set of clothes, a carefully rehearsed curtsy or bow? Well, we did read about one such meeting in our previous sermon series when we looked at Isaiah. Isaiah found himself in the throne room of God and this is what he said in chapter 6, verse 5. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. You see, when we stand before God, it doesn't really matter what clothes you've got on or what etiquette you've rehearsed, because the problem with us is that we have an internal problem. We are internally impure, and a holy and pure God cannot coexist. With sin and this is the issue standing behind our passage today we desperately need to be in relationship with god but we are not in a state to be able to remain in his presence and if we're honest with god we'll know that we can't even live up to our own standards of holiness let alone god's standard we are weighed down under the burden of guilt and the shame of our sin and yet in his boundless goodness and mercy God has done something so that we can confidently draw near to him. But before we do that, why don't we open in prayer and ask him to help us to understand his word. Let's pray. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, we do admit that we need your help. We know we are not worthy to come before you. So Lord, we do pray for your mercy and we do thank you that in your word you speak to us and teach us the right way in which we are to approach you. And so Lord, as we look at this part of your words today, uh, we do pray you would bless us, our ears to hear and our hearts and minds to understand and obey. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I wonder how you have been going as we've been looking at the letter to the Hebrews over the last few weeks. Um, have you been thinking at times that it's all a bit alien? Um, we've been wading through chapters about ancient priests and Temple d- design, and now today we're going to be thinking about animal sacrifice. And you know, it would be understandable if you just tapped out. Um, you certainly wouldn't be the first to ask, Why do I need to understand this ancient religious practice? And it's not just old and distant, it's a bit gruesome and disgusting as well, with all this animal slaughter and blood going everywhere. But before we switch off altogether, Let's think again about that big problem I mentioned. How can a pure and holy God be in relationship with a sinful people? Well, again, it's in kindness and mercy that God has done something that people can draw near to him. And that was to establish the temple, the priesthood and the sacrificial system. It was a religious practice that would illustrate how God would deal with sin and make us holy. Now, I think... Many of us these days are confronted by sacrifice in the Bible because we haven't really fully understood or appreciated the seriousness of sin. And it isn't surprising, isn't it, when we see that sin these days isn't seen as much of a problem. Uh, a common understanding of sin these days is just being a little bit naughty. You know. Uh, sin is a way of talking about some kind of pleasurable indulgence. I remember there was a time when there was a range of ice cream flavours that that uh, were marketed as the seven deadly sins, seven deadly flavours, like seven deadly sins. And so if you can use sin to sell ice cream, then it mustn't be all that important, nothing much to worry about. But that's not the way the Bible defines sin. Sin is not a little bit of naughtiness or an indulgence sin is rebellion and rebellion against the god who made us and who gives us life and so it stands to reason if you're going to rebel against the one who gives life well there's only one way forward and that's the pathway to death and so yes the sacrificial system is confronting and gruesome because it demonstrated the seriousness of sin But was this elaborate religious practice uh, of the priest and the sacrifice really going to deal with sin? So we come to our first verse, chapter 10, verse 1. Have a look at this on screen. The law is only a shadow of good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. You see, even though the entire Elaborate religious practice was put into place by God and outlined in his law. Look at what it says there. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. The religious practices outlined in the Old Testament are a shadow and not the reality. Ultimately, this system didn't deal with the big problem that we started with. We asked, how can sinners draw near to God? And here we read that the ultimate sacrifices can never make perfect those who draw near to worship. The sacrificial system is not complete because they needed to repeat it endlessly. Reading on from verse 2. Otherwise, would they, that is the sacrifices, not have stopped being offered? For the worshippers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Rather than dealing with sin, it was actually an annual reminder of sin. And then there was the issue of like-for-like payment. I mean, how could the blood of an animal pay for the sin of a person? It couldn't. And so we now we move from the shadow to the reality, a contrast between animal sacrifice and, and Christ's voluntary sacrifice of himself. And as we've been seeing right throughout the letter of, of Hebrews, um, Jesus is better. Jesus is better in every way. So if you're following in your Bible, verses 5 to 7 are actually quoting Psalm 40. And then in verses 8 to 10, we get an explanation of that quote. So let's read from verse 8 here on the screen. First he said, sacrifices and and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them. Though they were offered in accordance with the law, then he said, here I am, I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second, and by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus once for all. The comparison here is between old and new, first and second. The old and um, covenant of animal sacrifice, um, which has now been set aside by a new covenant established by the willing sacrifice of Christ, who shares our humanity. So, and what is more, Jesus was perfectly obedient to God, whereas the Old Testament sacrificial system was regularly corrupted by hypocrisy and insincerity. In the death of Jesus, we see willing obedience and sacrifice come together. And notice what the sacrifice has achieved. We have been made holy. A complete change of state, which means we're forgiven, cleansed, and we have access to God. Now, another reason why the sacrifice of Jesus is better is because it's complete. Throughout this section, the once-for-all nature of Christ's sacrifice will be repeated time and time again. And so as we just read in verse 10, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And we read again in verse 11, day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again. He offers the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time, one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And also in verse 14, it says there, For by one sacrifice he is made perfect forever, those who are being made holy. And so, here, where there is such complete forgiveness, there is simply no need for any more sacrifice. And the power of Christ's sacrifice can transform people. From the inside out dealing with that internal problem and so we see the fulfillment of um, the old testament promise in jeremiah verse 31 uh, chapter 31 verse 33 quoted in verse 15 here on screen the holy spirit also testifies to us about this first he says this is the covenant i will make with them after that time says the lord i will put my laws in their hearts and i will write them on their minds Then he adds, Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice is no longer necessary. The scripture here does not allow for any repetition or continuation of Christ's sacrifice. After Christ offered himself once for all time on the cross, where does he go? He then sits down at the Father's right hand where his work of sacrifice and redemption has finished. His one sacrifice remains powerful forever. And for us, complete forgiveness is the result. And this is where biblical Christianity actually stands apart from all the other world religions. Whereas all the other religions will actually require you to do something and to do something in order to gain access to God Our scriptures are very, very clear. There is nothing more to do because it has all been done. The once for all sacrifice of Christ is our only hope. By his sacrifice alone, we are forgiven, made holy and gain access to God. You know, the sad irony about all this though is that we find it so easy to turn aside from the work done by christ and we try to fix our relationship with god by ourselves by trying to perform our own list of religious duty we attempt to make sacrifices in order to please god or to make us more acceptable to him it could be fulfilling a list of morally good things you know things like maybe giving to charity sponsoring a child in poverty trying to do your best, to be kind to everyone, to your colleagues at work, even though they annoy you endlessly. Maybe it's not just moral behaviour, maybe it's, it's religious action. You know, it's very easy to think that if we do enough religious things, well then that'll put us in the good books with God. So things like, well, I, I come along to church regularly. I've been baptised. I, I give money to the church. I read the Bible. I pray when times are difficult. I say grace before most meals. Now, friends, all these things are very good things to do and they're all very, very helpful and even expected behaviours for a Christian. But here's the big distinction. All these things, all these good things are done in response to God's mercy. They do not attract God's mercy. Okay? All these things are done in response to God's mercy They are not the way we attract God's mercy. Friends, it's a terrible, terrible burden to live under some kind of self-made worldly religious duty. To never be quite sure if you've done enough to please God. And what's worse, um, the more you find yourself being devoted to doing the right thing, the more sensitive you've become to just how fail how bad we are at doing that sort of thing how much we fail to do the things we ought to do um, to do the things we ought not to do we know how hard it is to be good let alone perfect but then on the other hand it is a wonderful assurance to know that christ has done it all on the cross it says it there in verse 14 here on the screen for by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. And so the Hebrews, the writer to the Hebrews concludes this section with the words of verse 19 and following. And I'm going to close by reading just a couple of these verses. you on the screen, you can follow along with me. Verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence in, Loving and heavenly, gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for Jesus Christ. We thank you for his work on the cross, which is completely done. We thank you that we do not need to relate to you through a a list of things that we need to do and to never be sure if we've done enough. Lord, we thank you so much for your willing sacrifice that brings complete forgiveness and allows us to confidently draw near to you and so we thank you for these things in the name of Jesus, our Saviour. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you very much, Paul. My pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> it's I always appreciate. a pleasure to share God's word. Yeah, thank you. It, we appreciate your um, efforts in prepar- preparing that talk for us. Mm. Um, I was really fascinated um, when you were talking about, at the start you talk, spoke about the Queen and how if we, we obviously don't access the Queen very often. So if we do access, do we gain access with it? There's this very rigid set of rules that we need to follow, mm. and um, and then you talked about how you appear matters, and when we we're actually unable to come before God without mm. without Jesus, and you're like, what kind of etiquette is required for, mm. for um, to be in relationship with God? And it's well, the answer, like you were saying, was nothing mm. because. Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice, and He's made us perfect forever. Mm. And God no longer requires sacrifices that were required by that old system, which was pretty cool. But um, following that, I was really struck when you said all the th- when we we attempted to make still make our own religious sacrifices, mm. and this is what I thought we could talk about is you made that point of all those um, things done done in response to God's mercy, and not how we attract God's mercy. And I'd love for you guys to kind of talk about that a little bit more. Like, why are we why are we tempted to make religious sacrifices still?
7: Mm. Um, it is a strange irony, isn't it? Yeah. When when you when you read this passage and you unpack it and reflect upon it clearly, you go, "Oh, it's just so good. God has done everything for me. Um, it's finished." It's now obsolete. The whole system is obsolete. And yet, all through history, I mean, let's not even go to the other religions, non-Christian religions. Let's even think of the Christian religion, how quickly it um, degenerated back into a quite um, legalistic um, and burdened by a whole bunch of religious practices and duties that people would have to do in order to earn their... Um, right position before God or earn the right to come before God. And I, I just think it's just—it's a sad irony that, that tends to be a bias that we sort of go towards. What's behind that? I think it might be a bit of pride. It might be a bit of our limitations of wanting to see something tangible. Um, that's the things that cross my mind. Have you thought about it, Tim?
2: Yeah, I was thinking, I was trying to... Ref- expand your metaphor a little bit about the Queen um, and thinking about maybe it's it's because we misunderstand what the sacrifice of Jesus has done in adopting us into his family. And I was thinking about, um, you know, the Queen's family, um, I'm sure that, you know, her kids and her grandkids and now her great-grandkids uh, don't have those rules. You know, that they don't have to mm. not turn their back and not yep. start eating and only spoke when spoken to and... Um, you know, don't give her a hug or a handshake until mm. she offers it. Like when you're family, those kind of rules don't apply mm. anymore. Um, so, th- you know, her kids and the grandkids, I imagine, can just kind of rock up and say, "Hey, mum, hey, nana," uh, whatever they call her. I, I'm sure she's got really good friends who can just walk in and say, "Hey, Lizzie, has you?" You know, because there's a familiarity now that comes from being in the Queen's family. Mm. Um, and so, when we understand that. The cross uh, and the sacrifice of Jesus uh, has not just forgiven our sins, as, as great as that is. It is also the means by which we're adopted into the family of God, mm. uh, that we now have an Abba Father and Christ is our brother and each other are our brothers and sisters. You know, There's this wonderful um, way in which we can just approach God knowing mm. that we don't have to make those sacrifices anymore to um, hopefully, fingers crossed, please God. Um, actually, we're in. We're part of the family. Mm. Um, now, the balance with that is that God never loses his holiness um, and his grandeur. Mm. And that's why I love the opening lines to the Lord's Prayer. It's you know, our Father in heaven, and it's those two things. He is a Father, and there's something just really lovely and personable about that. Um, but he's also in heaven, and, mm. and there is something distinct about him. And so it's not right to uh, take him for granted, and it's not right to be flippant towards him, but we can be familial. Mm. Um, and I just think that's if we understand that balance right perhaps we'll stop trying to sacrifice in order to please God mm. we we just know that he is pleased mm. um, and it's re- we can act out of that out of the relationship we have with him
1: mm.
7: <laughs> yeah, it's, it could be that yeah we haven't fully understood that we're entering into a family and maybe we're still step, a step away and remaining in a sort of a contractual arrangement a contractual type of um
2: hoping to get in
7: yeah yeah
1: Mm. and just keep like i mean something that i've always thought about is i think i used to do this when i was a christian earlier was trying to white knuckle it just go not not giving that burden of sin to jesus but actually going almost like heaping the burden further back on me and and that shows a a lack of understanding about what jesus has done in Mm. terms of his sacrifice has taken all of that burden away mm-hmm I was also interested, um, Tim, when you were talking about, you know, He is in heaven; God is in heaven, and it talks in. And the writer of the Hebrews talks a lot about how the temple and that system, a sacrificial system, was a like um, a shadowy copy, a shadow or a copy of Mm. what was actually the case. Um, And I'm just wondering if we can like talk about that a little bit more, just so people at home can understand that. Why? Why was the temple? seen as a copy of the of the um what we call the heavenly realm i suppose because we know that the the chief priest could only go into the very holy of holies once once a year what's that is that correct once a year
7: yeah um it's even referred to in here when it talks about it's an annual reminder of sin yeah
1: yeah once a year um i'm just wondering if we can just explain that a little bit more about why let's go back to old testament times and explain if you guys can do it because i probably can't do it (laughs) why did we have uh why sorry why did the israelites have this situation when they had to have the tabernacle as a way of representing a copy of the heavenly realm and jesus has done away with that
7: yeah yeah i mean in, in one sense i mean the temple um is a great blessing but then also a great reminder of the limitation so the great blessing was God was going to dwell with them uh, in, a, in a place. So he was there. You, you could quite literally, where's God? He's over there, in, there. in that tent, um, <coughs> in, a, in a room within that tent, and then within the building which they built in, in Jerusalem eventually. Um, so it's, it's sort of a wonderful blessing. God is, God is with us. Quite literally, he's there. That's what it keeps saying he is. Um, but then he's not. Is actually at an arm's length. I cannot go there. Um, again, the reminder was we're just not worthy. And so once a year, the high priest um, would go in um, presenting um, uh, the sacrifice uh, of some kind. Um, and then if, if, he, if he lived <laughs> and came out of there, then you'd, they'd be able to rejoice and say, oh, the, the sacrifice has w- worked. We're enough, um, kind of thing. But of course... It is a a strange religious sort of practice um but then of course when we we have the blessing of the new testament and we see how jesus um fulfills this as a shadow um then we can see actually now that um um, we do have full access to god and actually the, the, the new testament will then go on to explain how we ourselves have now become the temple of god because god now dwells not just in a in a sanctum room In a room of a of a temple he actually dwells in our hearts and we are now the temple
1: yeah um, when when as well uh, you spoke about uh god saying that he'll write uh, his law on our our hearts hearts. and our minds yeah yeah. i think that's a really cool picture of a representation of what um that change to the new covenant has been Mm -hmm. and also that um it says in hebrews that jesus is the only one that passed through the true heavenly realm and not the the shadowy copy that the tabernacle was which is cool um Mm -hmm. Tim, I, I really liked it when Paul was also talking about how animal sacrifice can appear kind of odd and a bit gruesome and perhaps confronting, and it was a reminder of the the sin of the Jewish people. Mm. Um, but now nowadays it seems that tr- sin is treated with a bit of indifference and also like a, a funny thing. It's kind of like it's pleasurable and exciting, and it's like, oh, that's a sin. That's that's funny, mm. um, and it's not much like it's not much to worry about. But I thought we could pose a hypothetical. But why why has it become this way? Is it because there's almost in our society as in like a Judeo-Christian world, it's kind of like, oh, we know that Jesus has died for all our sin kind of thing so we can treat it as a bit of a play thing. Would you agree or tell me tell me what you think?
2: Uh, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot going on there. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I has a long question <laughs> Yeah, no, no. That's, oh, no, I'm just trying to think about all the different uh, reasons that that might be the case. Mm. Um, certainly there have been times in uh, Christian history where people have taken <laughs> sin... Um, a lot more seriously uh, and had different approaches. Um, There's a famous sermon by a guy called, um, oh my goodness, just had a mental blank. What does he say? Uh, uh, sin, Sin is in the hand of an angry God.
7: Not to my head, either. oh my
2: goodness, Jonathan Edwards. Uh, hey, hey, thank you, time. those who are shouting it out at home. <laughs> I heard you, Jonathan Edwards. Um, preaches this famous sermon called Uh, Sin is in the Hand of an Angry God. Um, and he, it's representative of a time in church history where um, God was um, represented as really wrathful and angry, uh, sin was really really serious, uh, and everyone was on a knife edge just waiting for God is just waiting to drop you into hell, uh, and unless you turn. Um, then uh, you know, you are forever uh, outcast. Um, now I think that's not necessarily the most helpful way of presenting God, because there's aspects of that in Scripture. There's also plenty of aspects of God's love and grace and um, goodness to us, and the fact that He's the one who actually acts towards us. Um, and so there's a balance that's required there. Um, but I think you're right. Maybe even in um, in christian circles uh here in 2021 we've maybe perhaps swung so far the other way uh, that god is is just good and he's good all the time and he's just love um and it's more common to see jesus as almost a, sort of a you know this hippie flowery everything's good um kind of persona um, and so we don't take sin seriously because we don't think necessarily that jesus takes sin seriously um, and when you actually read the scriptures, when you read the gospels and what Jesus is saying, uh, I think we get the, the right balance between those two. Jesus talks about hell more than anyone else does, but he also is saying, you know, I'm come to give my life up for those, uh, for my sheep. Um, and so, when we see those in the right balance, we can appreciate um, the, the depths of our sin, um, and we can also um, celebrate the goodness of God, and we can hold those in an appropriate. And so I think if we've got a, a healthy diet of the Scriptures, um, then we're able to, to put those together in a way that um, doesn't just see sin as ice cream flavours and, oh, you know, slightly naughty things that you might get up to. Um, no, no, we, we see it in all the seriousness that it is, and we can rightly rejoice and be thankful that Jesus is the one who substitutes on our behalf um, so that we can be in perfect relationship with God. Um, yeah, I'm not Can sure if that answered the question. That's
1: right. It's yeah. fun anyway <laughs> and, and enjoyable. Um, it's kind of like you're saying that it's, if we're reading the Bible, we're being convicted and also at the same time being joyful in what um, Jesus has done for us. Is that what, is that what you would say? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I
2: mean, I think that's what the, the Scriptures throughout are, are trying to help us to see. Yeah. And as Paul said before, God, uh, right from the very first um, chapters of Genesis, God is wanting to be with his people. Um, and he's setting up all of these uh, ways in which they can be with him, uh, but we keep seeing that sin is what is getting in the way with Adam and Eve, um, with the temple, uh, sorry, the tabernacle, with the temple, uh, but then Jesus comes and ultimately, Revelation 21, we see um, the final temple um, where actually the temple is the whole of new creation. It's, it's, it's all there, um, and there is no need for a temple even because everywhere is with God and everyone is
1: with God yeah exactly uh paul before you enter into a hypothetical did you ever have any of those uh seven deadly magnum <laughs> ice creams uh,
7: i guess I, I might i may have yeah. i, can't I feel like that's how they it. made while, it it was a while a while ago yeah um i remember it, yeah when it was advertised yeah
1: yeah um
7: i do like a nice ice
1: cream there do you, oh what's your favorite <laughs> i'll have to magnums get you one nice. magnums like are pretty good yeah. aren't they? Yeah. Um, the the hypothetical question which went on for ages that i said was um why do you think we treat sin with indifference we don't see it as rebellion against god anymore we've seen as this kind of weird little like a bit of naughtiness as you said
7: well actually as tim was talking then i was also thinking that um it's a spiritual problem too uh quite frankly i mean Mm. um we don't know the depths of our problem uh until um the the veil is taken off our heart and we actually go oh okay Mm -hmm. um i and and because sometimes i do you know talk to outsiders and and if if they're talking about their life and that sort of thing i'm just thinking uh you're just gonna or especially when i share with people sometimes that like if i'm doing ministry i'm a church minister or that sort of thing you just think wonder what's going through their head like it's like it just seems so distant so foreign so strange a little bit like maybe weird religious practices mm. um uh, and uh, until the spirit opens opens the eyes of their heart then they're not going to see the seriousness of sin and um it may continue to trivialize, trivialize it um until that happens. They actually don't they don't have the spiritual understanding to to follow
1: yeah right okay cool well thank you very much for your encouragement today really appreciate it thank you tim for joining us we'll be right back guys and we will wrap it up after this song Welcome back, guys. We are going to wrap it up here at the panel, Uh, joined by Tim and Stu again. Uh, Tim, how was your celebration with Lionel? Did you have a good time?
2: Oh, we had a great time. Yeah, it's always good uh, just hanging out with Lionel generally, but sharing a birthday is really fun.
1: Lionel is a great time. He is a great time. I think uh, if you you could maybe not describe him as a person, he's more like a a fragrance or something. (laughs) It's just just a great time. Yeah,
2: it smells like a good time. Yeah, it's like the
1: latest release from... DKNY or something. (laughs) Coming to a store near you. Yeah, Lionel. Lionel. So because he's got his own cryptocurrency coming out, you might have seen. Yes. So maybe that's his next venture. He's (laughs) going to do. He's going to do a fragrance.
2: (laughs) He's going full Kardashian. He's going to get into every possible field. Yeah. Every possible market. Yeah,
1: exactly. He's he knows how to work the market. Yeah, he's a clever one. (laughs) <laughs> Happy birthday, by the way. Tim. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, historical stuff. Is something else you wanted to share with us about Israel, which is pretty cool?
3: Yeah. Well, as we're starting to dip into understanding our spiritual ancestors a bit more, uh, the great ones of faith, and we'll continue to do that next week. Um, I've been—we were talking about lockdown earlier about different things people are doing in lockdown. One of the things I've been really interested in is I know a lot about uh, the people of Israel, and I know a lot about uh, read a lot about the Bible. And I've seen a lot of maps of where things happen, but I don't know much about Israel proper, like the actual landscape. And Mm. I've been really fascinated lately getting on YouTube because there's all sorts of different videos about all these different spots in the Bible, like obvious ones like Sea of Galilee and Jerusalem and stuff. But then there's also some really interesting uh, looks at uh, how people have videoed going on a journey from Jericho to Jerusalem, where Jesus would have walked on the path The 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 days that he was talking about the Good Samaritan, where the Good Samaritan was ambushed on that path, you can actually walk down the same path and Mm. see where they think he told that story. So, I've been really enjoying that because it sort of brings it alive a bit more. So, yeah, I've 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 really enjoyed thinking about, and I'm looking forward to continuing to think about the fact that we have, um, you know, our our heritage from our family, but spiritually, our spiritual heritage is that we've been grafted into the people of God and that uh our spiritual ancestors
1: are the people of the old testament so i get really excited about that yeah that's cool i mean you're planning to go to israel one day i hope so yeah, I'd, I'd like, like to, to go to that'd be cool now something i was going to bring up with both of you guys is that we just recorded a podcast this morning and also well sorry two days ago um about the shock absorber now do you guys want to quickly chat about what we've been talking about there to so we can plug it and make sure everyone's listening to that as well, well <laughs> if you like
2: yeah, so on the shock absorber podcast, we've been talking about uh, the history of youth ministry, um, and how does the shock absorber approach, which Saw Revival um, has, how does that fit in with all the other different models that are around? And so we've been, uh, last few episodes, have been going from um, the, the early 70s right through to, and we're kind of talking about the mid 90s at the moment, um, and four different views of youth ministry um, that were prevalent in that time um, in America. And we're looking at some of the Australian resonances of those. Um, and then how does uh, what Soul Revival was trying to do um, in the early through mid 90s, and how does that shape our church today? And so that's kind
1: of where our approach has been. Yeah, it's cool. Stu, so you've been having fun recording those episodes? Yeah, I think it's a lot of
3: fun. Uh, one of the things that <coughs> we've been saying is that the way people approach young people in churches actually ends up setting up the whole of the church structures. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's really interesting. If you haven't listened to the podcast, have a, have a listen.
1: Yeah, I've been really enjoying it. But um, that'll wrap us up for today, guys. I really appreciate you joining us. Make sure you check out the Shockables Over podcast. We also have the Chip Lunch podcast, which Tim has been on. We might have to get Stu on that at some point as well um there's plenty more coming your way whether it's on your podcast app or on youtube but thanks very much for joining us and we'll finish up with a one way one way one way